Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together for the Most High God. He alone deserves all the honor. He alone deserves all the glory. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this afternoon. This afternoon is an awesome privilege for me to stand before you. I want to take this opportunity to thank Apostle Livingston and his precious wife, Mama Vida, for inviting me to be part of what the Lord is doing. For those of you who are here not long ago, I want you to know that this is my house. So each time I have the privilege to come to share the word of God, I want, I'm, I'm back home. And the reason I keep saying that is, it is Resurrection Church that prayed me into salvation. There was a time that fasting was declared, 40 days fasting for my salvation. And before the end of the 40 days, I found myself in a rehab home where I kicked off from heroin and cocaine. And today I stand before you as a man of God. Thank you so much. Bow down your heads with me and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and your loving kindness. Lord, we thank you for your tender mercies. Lord, let me decrease and you increase. Father, I pray your anointing upon your people till the souls of our hearts and make a deposit in our spirit. And at the end, we'll give you all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. This afternoon, I want to speak on a very controversial topic. So if you have your Bibles with you, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 2. And if you are there, you give me an amen. Let me read two verses. 2 Kings chapter 2 from verse 9. It says, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not be. This portion of scripture is a scripture that has been mostly misinterpreted. In Christianity, we have a group of Christians that believe in divine impartation. But I'm here this afternoon to declare to you that there is nothing called divine impartation in the sense which it has been used. For example, there are people that go around thinking if they have the mantle of the man of God, they can inherit the anointing of the man of God. That is not true. Because my Bible tells me it is the Holy Spirit who gives gifts to those he wants. But in our background where we come from, those who serve false gods, those who have juju and all that and witchcraft, 
they are able to transfer their witchcraft to a family member that they want. But in Christianity, you cannot transfer what you have. Because what you have is given by God. I have the gift of teaching. I'm a teacher. I cannot transfer that to my son or my daughter. I cannot. So whenever you read about impartation, it's talking about sharing. Try to give something that is precious to somebody. And change or transformation takes place when we hear the word of God, walk in it, move in it, then you become what God has called you to be. This afternoon in this place, there is such an anointing that I believe none of us will live here the same. The presence of God is strong in this place. The portion of scripture we read, we see a discipler asking his disciple. And the discipler is Elijah, the prophet. So his disciple, who is Elijah, who has walked with him for a period of time, the end of Elijah's ministry was about to take place. So he turned to his disciple and said, It won't be long. I will be taken from you. And you have not asked anything from me. So his disciple Elijah answered and said, I want double portion of your spirit. In other words, Elisha was asking Elijah and telling him, I want to be greater than you. I want to share three things with you. The first thing I want to share is the call of Elijah. Oh, Elisha, sorry. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 19, that after Elijah contested with the prophets of Baal, he became discouraged, he wished himself dead. So he sat under a tree and prayed, God, take my life. And God told him, I'm not done with you yet. There is someone I have called out that you need to train to take your place. So God sent Elijah to the house of Elijah. And when he was going, the Bible says, he met Elijah plowing his father's cows. So he threw his mantle on him. And throwing the mantle is not what carries the anointing. Throwing the mantle symbolizes that Elisha is called to take the place of Elijah. 
So here we come in 2 Kings chapter 2. Elisha asking that I want to be greater than you. Because he has seen the anointing upon Elijah's, Elijah's life. Elijah was called to prophesy to kings. He was called to speak to the things that were not according to God's will or his purpose in his time. And Elisha saw all this. He desired a double portion of what Elijah had. You know, what I find strange is that Elijah never referred to Elisha, his beginnings. Elijah could have said, let me borrow you, young man. What's your name? Collins Collins. I love to preach with somebody close to me. So I'm Elijah, he's Elisha. So here we find Elisha asking, I want to be Greater than you. And I don't read it anywhere in the Bible that Elijah is telling Collins or Elisha, you want to be greater than me? When did you come to the scene? The Bible never talks about that. If it was me, maybe. I'll look at you and say, oh, when were you born again? When did you become a Christian? Have you forgotten when I met you taking care of cows and sheep? By then I was already called and anointed by God. And now you, don't, you want to be greater than me. It's not written anywhere in the Bible. In fact, the desire of every man of God, every father or mother is to see that our children become greater than us. Oh, put your hands together for the Lord. Elijah did not take offense about the request. The Bible says he even told him that what you are asking is difficult. People of God, notice this. He did not say what you are asking for is impossible. He said what you are asking for is difficult. But in other words, one, he didn't take offense. Two, he agreed to show him the method, the way his desires can be fulfilled. This afternoon, God has sent me to let you know that that which you desire, your prayers and your sacrifice is before him. I see God opening new doors for some people right here. I see God turning things around in your life. I see God doing a new thing in the resurrection ministry. I see God turning things around. I see God 
raising up men and women here, right here this afternoon in this place. If you believe that, put your hands together for the Lord. The request is not strange. Jesus Christ himself said, greater works you will do than I have done. And Elijah understood that principle. Last year, October, I preached in Ghana in a church. I was about to leave. A young boy came to me. He stood by the car and he was whispering. I wasn't understanding him. So I had to tell him, please speak loud. What, what, what is it you want? And he says he wants my mantle, my handkerchief. Soon you will see that I sweat. Say he wants my handkerchief after preaching. So what do you want my handkerchief for? Said I want your handkerchief so that I become like you. I want to preach like you. And I said, oh, that's for my handkerchief. It's only smelling of sweat. There is no power in my handkerchief. The power is not in the mantle of the man of God. The power is not even in the oil that they will pour on your head. The power is when you take God's word. Like I am preaching right now. I am imparting on you. I am bringing divine impartation. And when you take hold of God's word, your life will never be the same. There is no power in my handkerchief. There is no power in my coat. The power is in the word of God. You believe that? Put your hands together for the Lord. So Elijah told Elisha, what you ask is difficult. But if you see me being taken, all that will be yours. And when you read a few verses further, the Bible says, Elisha followed Elijah. And when they crossed the Jordan, heavens was open and he saw chariots of fire and the chariots of fire took Elijah into heaven beloved brothers and sisters the first thing to be greater is to have a revelation from heaven if you see me if the Lord opens the window of heaven you see chariots of fire. In other words, when you receive a revelation from heaven, and that revelation from heaven is the call upon your life. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, beloved brothers and sisters, you are on the road to great success. You are on the road to achieving everything God has put in your life. The sky is the limit. When you have that revelation from heaven, you become the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. No weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. Every tongue that will raise itself against you will be brought to nothing. First have a connection with heaven. So he showed him the way. He said, if you see those chariots of heaven, 
everything will be yours. So the Bible says, Elisha made up his mind. I want to see that chariot of heaven. So the Bible says, wait for me here. They went to four places. First, they went to a place called Gilgal. So I call this Gilgal. From Gilgal, they went to Bethel. From Bethel, they came to a place called Jericho. From Jericho, they went to the river Jordan. And the Bible says after they crossed the river Jordan, the portion of scripture we read, that is when Elijah asked Elisha. These four places, Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, and Jordan are geographical locations. But they have symbolic meaning in every Christian's life. So the Bible says they came to Jericho, hey, sorry, Gilgal, and the sons of the prophets who were in Gilgal came to Elisha and they told him, do you know that tonight your Lord will be taken from you? And Elisha told them, yes, I know. So when they got to Gilgal, Elisha told Elisha, stay here. You come and stay here at Gilgal. But as for me, I'm going further to Bethel. And the Bible says, Elisha told Elijah that as long as my God live, wherever you go, I will go with you. I am not leaving you. Even though the prophets are speaking, Elisha knows what he needs to do. He told the prophets, I know. Do you know what God has for you? Oh, my Bible tells me that those who know what God has for them, they wait upon the Lord. And those who wait upon the Lord, they mount on eagle wings like eagles. They run and they don't forget faith. They walk and they are not weary. Those who know what the Lord has for them knows that they have to go through a process. And the first process for prosperity is to go to Gilgal. Gilgal in Joshua chapter 6 verse 4. The Bible said the Lord spoke to Joshua and told Joshua, Today I have rolled away your reproach of Egypt. In other words, Gilgal represents the place that you know your identity. Do you know who you are? For you to be everything God calls you to be, you need to be at Gilgal, a place that God has rolled away the reproach of Egypt. That is the shame of your father's house. I'm a tenny. I used to be a drug addict. I used to be a thief. But today, I'm not a drug addict. Today, I'm not a thief. 
today I'm not a beggar because I know who I am in Jesus Christ. And my Bible tells me, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. This afternoon, I see the Lord taking away the disgrace of your father's house. God is giving you a new name. I see God changing your name. If once you used to be good for nothing, today God is saying you are the apple of my eye. If once you knew you were called a junkie, today God is saying he's a man of God. You believe that, put your hands together for the Lord. You need to know who you are. See people fighting. Unnecessarily. Somebody look at Collins. Look at his red lips. Then you get angry. You're going to fight because he called you. Look at your red lips. Should you fight because somebody wants to define who you are? I don't know what you are or who you're looking at. I have a mirror in my house. I stand there every morning, I look in the mirror, and I know what I see. I look in the mirror, say, whoa, this man, you are handsome. You only have a big belly, but you are handsome. I don't know what you call me. I know what I call myself. Do you know who you are? If you know who you are, stand there and say yes. I don't know about you. Call me whatever names you want. Beloved people, let me tell you something about people. Leave people where they are. People are called to talk. Whatever you do, they will talk. So don't let people talk you out of God's promises in your life. So they came to Gilgal. You need to go through the process. Come to a place where you know who you are and know that you are not the same person. That God has made you a new creation. All things have passed away. All things are made new. So the Bible says from Gilgal, they went to Bethel. And at Bethel, Elijah told him, you have to stay here. I am going for it. And the Bible says, Elijah told Elijah, I am not leaving. As long as my God liveth, where you go, there I will go. In other words, your Christian journey does not end at Gilgal. You don't only know who you are. You don't only understand that your disgrace of the youth has been taken away, but you need to move forward and you move forward to better. And I see God moving people forward right here in this place. Better is a place called the house of God. Genesis chapter 28. 
from verse 20 till 22. The Bible says, Jacob wrestled with God. And Jacob told the Lord, if you don't bless me, I won't leave. So after the Lord blessed him, in the morning, Jacob told the Lord, if I have found favor with you, on this journey that I'm about to embark, if only you will bless me and my father's house, if you will provide clothes for me and food to eat and bring me safely, I will worship you all the days of my life. Beloved brothers and sisters, you see, Bethel is a place we serve God unconditionally. You don't serve God because of what God will give you. Jacob said, if you bless me, I will serve you. Those who inherit the double portion of the anointing of God in their life are people who love God with all their heart, with all their strength, with all their soul, with everything in them, they love the Lord unconditionally. You see, it's sad to see Christians running from this crusade to the other because of what I'm going to get. Let me tell you a secret. God himself says it in Second Peter. He says, I have given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. You didn't catch this revelation. You have everything, not some things. Everything God has given you. Therefore, the sky is your limit. Whatever you want to do, and the success of it is dependent on people, then you need to rethink. It's not a goal, it's only a desire. Any godly goal, you don't need anybody to bring it to pass. So Paul understood that, and he said, I can do, oh, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. Paul says what? Through whom? Through Christ who strengthens me. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You don't need anybody. The problem we have is our culture. We think that we need people to push us into our destiny. Have a revelation of God. Accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Go through what? The process. Because there are no shortcuts. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said there are no shortcuts in Christianity. You have to go through the process. Oh, put your hands together for the Lord. So you have to come to Bethel. Bethel is a place 
that you start to love God with all your heart, not because of the blessings. Why do you run for blessings? My Bible tells me in Matthew 6, 33, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all, and all, and all other things shall be added. Some of us, we don't chase money. Even if you don't take care, you say we don't like money. Because we don't go after it. Our focus is to seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all other things are being added. My Bible says, when your ways is pleasing unto God, even your enemies will come at peace with you. Oh, this afternoon I see God taking away some of your enemies. I see your enemies running when no one is chasing them. I see them running, 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 running when there is no one chasing them. My Bible says that the Egyptians you see today, you will look for them and you will see them no more. The problems you see today, you will look for it and you will see them no more. My Bible says, in fact, Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has ever taken you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted more than you can bear. With every temptation, he will make a way of escape. I see God making a way where there seems to be no way. I see him opening doors for you. This is a new season of your life. You believe that? Put your hands together for the Lord. So they came to Bethel. And Bethel, Elijah told Elisha, You can stay here. I am going further. So the Bible says, Once again, Elisha said, Where you go? I will go with you. He refused to listen to the prophets. And from Bethel, he went to Jericho. Jericho is a place where you need to learn obedience. Beloved, there are no shortcuts to the blessings of God. You need to learn obedience. In Jericho, in Joshua chapter 5, the Bible says when the children of Israel were about to go into the promised land, God told the children of Israel, when you wake up the first day, walk around the city once. And as you walk, shut your mouth, don't talk. Second day, get up, walk around the city. And as you walk, don't talk, just shut your mouth. And the seventh day, when you get up, walk around the city, not once, not twice, but walk around the city seven times. And when you finish, you have to shout. Whoa. You know, when I read the Bible, I see pictures. I don't know how you read the Bible. I see pictures. Can you imagine that God is telling you, stand up. 
walk around the city. And while you walk, you don't talk. First day, you are tired. You go and sleep. You wake up. You start your journey again. You are tired. You go and sleep. On the seventh day, how tired do you think you will be? And on the seventh day, when you are more tired, he says, now don't walk once, but walk seven times. After being tired, now walk seven times. Look at me, I'm only preaching and shouting, and I'm what? Panting for breath. Can you imagine, you walk around a city seven times. What are you going to be thinking of doing? Panting, trying to what? Catch your breath. And God is saying, after you are tired, now when you open your mouth, shout. Doesn't that look like punishment? Doesn't that look unreasonable? But this God we serve, he has called us to complete obedience. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when you think you cannot go anymore. That is when he's calling you and I to go the extra mile. There's somebody here. You are at the verge of giving up. You think you have done a lot for God. You've given money. You've served in his house. You've done everything. And that breakthrough is not coming. You are at the verge of giving up. God has sent me right here to let you know that this is a new day. This is your new year. This is your season. Your breakthrough is at the hand. So don't give up. Just keep going. The Lord says, my eyes is upon you. I have not forsaken you. David said, I have been young. Now I am old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. The Lord says, I should tell you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, Yo, you will never ever beg for bread. Your children will not beg for bread. Just be obedient and go through the process. No shortcuts. You don't run to a crusade, take somebody's handkerchief and get it all. You need to get up early in the morning. Learn to pray for yourself. The devil that is chasing you, I got him also in my house. He's chasing you, he's chasing me. So you come to me, you say, Pastor, here, pray for me. God help you, I remember your prayers. Collins, learn to pray for yourself. Learn to fight the devil yourself. You know why we need each other? When we hold up each other, the Bible says one will what? Chase a thousand. And two will do what? You see, stop reading the Bible by, uh, so quickly. There is a key word there. 
What did God say he will do with the 10,000? He says he will cause. You saying that word cause? It, it looks like a simple word. He says he will cause 10,000 to flee. You will chase. But two, when you come together, he causes them. He stirs up. Even when they are not ready, he wakes them up. He commands them. He causes them to move. Oh, put your hands together for the Lord. I need to close. I need to close. I need to close. So, we don't stay at Jericho. At Jericho is where we learn complete obedience. Whether it makes sense or not. The things that don't make sense. But when we are obedient, God opens the door. Let me give you one example before I end. There's a story, 2 Kings chapter 4, about a widow. The Bible says creditors came. They wanted to take what? Her children. So she ran to the man of God, crying. The creditors are there to take my children. So Elisha asked ask her, what do you have? First, he said, what can I do for you? And what do you have? You know, you know what they want to say? Your maidservant have what? Nothing. That's our problem. We have a name for everything. The disciples saw Jesus on the sea. What did they say? It's a ghost. We have a name for everything. She called it what? Nothing. When Moses saw the Egyptians and saw the Red Sea, and he was crying to God. God said, why are you crying to me? That's message for another time. And he said, God asked, why are you crying out? What do you have in your hand? And he, Moses looked at him. This one is the shepherd rod. I just use the driving sheep. God says, the shepherd rod, point it. You see, the things you have in your hands is what brings the miracle. If you want, go and read throughout the Bible. God's miracles would always start with what you have. Oh, put your hands together for the Lord. Don't fool, child. You're in church. So it do make sense. But if you don't keep it, you trust in the Lord. The miracles would happen. So in Jericho, you learn complete obedience. And he told him again, I'm going further. You want to stay in Jericho? You don't stay in Jericho. He says, as long as my Lord lives, where you go, there I will go. So the Bible says, Elijah came to the river Jordan. You see, in Joshua chapter 3, the river Jordan is where God told Joshua, today I have lifted you up in the sight of all the Israelites. Jordan is a place 
of establishment. A place that God affirms you before his people that you call yourself blessed. Wherever you go, you are blessed. Today, I see God establishing you. He says he has taken you out of the miracle. He has placed your feet on a solid rock. I see God affirming you that you are the beloved of his eyes. No weapon fashion against you will prosper. You, I see some people today right here. You are the river Jordan. God is speaking today. I have established you. I have made you great in the eyes of your people. I have made you great in the eyes of your enemies. He says, I have given the kings and all the elders to you. I see God making you in your family, not because you have established because God has established you. You that once, when they call meetings, you are not invited. Today God is saying, I have established you. I see God raising you up. Because it is a new day. There is no shortcuts. In the kingdom of God. All we need is to see the chariots of heaven. Have a revelation from God. And be ready to go through the process. And God will establish you. Bow down your heads with me. Father, we thank you. We praise your holy name. Lord, we give you honor, we give you glory. Lord, your word will not return to you void, but it will accomplish everything that you have sent the word to do. Lord, do for your people as you have spoken today. Father, we give you all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.